Sunday Groove on Willow Podcasting Network. I'm your host, David Sunday. For those that are new, this is a monthly music show where we talk about something different each month. Um, I have a guest on each month, and um, we just discuss maybe a, maybe do a deep dive on a band, maybe talk specific albums, or sometimes we get very creative and come up with a unique, uh, like a really unique uh, topic, and that's what we're going to do today. But as always, I'm not alone. I brought back my friend Andy Helene. How are you doing today, man? I'm ready to talk about this idea because I think it was kind of a good one that you had. Good. I, it was one of those that like it came to me and then I couldn't think of how to word it. And I remember like messaging you back and forth about it. And I was just like, uh, I, I won't because like, I don't know, to me, I just got to my own head and I'm like, how do I like in writing word this without like writing a page and so <laughs> but yeah like it, uh we're, we're gonna do current spins before we get to the actual topic but i i i'll go ahead and since we're already teasing that i'll go ahead and say what the topic is uh i'm just gonna call it an album swap and the whole idea behind it was i know i listen to andy's podcast a sides and they'll mention albums um or bands and it's like sometimes i'll remember and actually go listen to that album or that band. But so often, like I'll write it down somewhere or put a note in my phone to do it. And I never do it. Um, so the idea for me or, or even worse, like I, I've, Andy and I've talked maybe on the podcast, but definitely offline. We've talked about it before. We'll like buy an album um, and listen to it one time and it doesn't grab us. And then we're, you know, kind of forget about it for a long time. And so the, the idea was just to, pick an album that the other person had not heard that we were pretty certain they had not. It's an album that we like and one we think if they gave it a little bit of time, they would probably come to like it too. Maybe not the same amount, but you know, they would, they would understand it a little better. So that was kind of my idea of, of it, or at least how it originally materialized. Is that kind of how you approached it too, Andy? Um, maybe for me, I think you explained it that way, but then, we kind of circled back to it after mm-hmm. the Foo Fighters one, and the idea kind of mutated in my head. And so I I had uh, uh, chosen something maybe a little bit controversial uh, like because it's kind of a very polarizing album. Uh, so I wanted your opinion on it uh, kind of uh, being like, I guess a newer fan to the band, I wanted a fresh opinion on it because I felt like I was the same way when I heard it. And then I found out people didn't like it and I was like, okay, well I can kind of see why, but the songwriting's still good. And I had Mm -hmm. another idea, like another album that I wanted to 
a throw out there, but then I'm like, well, I don't know if I want to. I guess the other one was more of a joke pick or something. This was more <laughs> of a serious one. Right. Yeah. Um, I know I, I spent a good bit of time trying to figure out what I wanted to have you listen to. Um, and I thought about going completely off the wall, but it just kind of made sense to come back to the band that I we talked about a good bit. And you'd even made the comment of you wanted to give them a chance, but you just never had. So we'll we'll go into the names of the album and like i said we'll dive into them in just a little bit um but um andy has me listening to megadeth risk is that right yes um uh and then i have him listening to the juliana theories deadbeat sweet heartbeat it's one of the longest names of an album um and it's a tongue twister (laughs) it really is um feel they could have shortened that a little bit. Um, but anyway, but as always, we do uh, a current spins thing. And I wanted to because I've really been listening to a ton of stuff lately. And I'm not going to dive into all of it. But I definitely wanted to highlight a few things. Um, but Andy's my guest. So what have you been currently listening to? Is there anything that's kind of got you excited? Oh, my God. This whole week, I've been off the wall and uh, it's just like all over the place because uh, I actually watched the Grammys um, last Sunday, and usually I don't uh, really pay um, I don't pay any attention to award shows except for maybe like with the radio station I work for. I'll just kind of throw out like, "Hey, this band got nominated," just as like a talking point or something to introduce a song. But mm-hmm. I wanted to watch it because I liked the Black Pumas and they were going to perform, and I was like, "Well, Taylor Swift's on there." Uh, and I like some of the other performers. And so then I got hooked on uh, Dua Lipa, I guess. And I've just been listening to her most recent album like nonstop this week. I took a jog around my apartment complex and I was listening to it at work. I've been listening to it in the car. And I think it's called Future Nostalgia. Nostalgia? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've just been obsessed with that album this week. Nice. Any track in particular you want to highlight? Um, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, there's a couple that sound uh, like, I guess, like, this is the point of the album with the nostalgia part of it, is like she wanted to kind of like, I think, make songs in the style of music that she listened to growing up. And there's one, um, I think it's like Break My Heart, and it's like a hit on the radio, and it kind of has the same kind of beat or flow to it as another one bites the dust. Oh, wow. Okay. And then there's one levitating, and I feel like that sounds just like her delivery or singing style sounds like Bruno Mars. Oh, interesting. So I guess those were the two I'd highlight, because, yeah, they kind of do sound like she's capturing that uh, sound, but she's kind of making it her own in a way. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Uh I um this morning briefly listened to the first track and I just wasn't in the headspace for it this morning. Um, yeah, I was kind of skipped the first track actually because I uh, knew the single, so I went to those first, then kind of went to the other ones. Okay, and checked them out. Yeah, th- today was what I would call my moody listening day. Like I, well, it was it started last night. And then this morning, like, I could not figure out what the hell I wanted to listen to. Like, I knew I wanted music. I didn't want a podcast. 
And I would just click on stuff and I was like, I'm not in the mood for this or this is crap. And so I was just, and that's not what I felt about hers, but it was just like, nothing was grabbing me. So I actually ended up doing a deep dive on a lot of great affair stuff because there was still a lot I'd not heard. And, um, so that was kind of my soundtrack last night and this morning. So that was really cool, but it was funny. I mean, I went through a ton of stuff and it wasn't that it wasn't good stuff or stuff that I'd normally enjoy, but I, I don't know why I just could not <laughs> find the music for my mood. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to have to go um, back at another time. Cause I definitely know <laughs> because of you and Brent on y'all's podcast, uh, highlighting a lot of new music i mean that's why i listened to halsey and that's why i listened to um actually a good bit of the taylor swift stuff like i'd heard some but a lot of it i didn't really ever seek out but i'm like well i like what they're saying about it and it makes me curious so i i don't know so when i saw you post about it the other day i'm like i need to i need to check her out yeah that's um, the thing i guess with taylor swift like i started getting into her her with like the uh, like 1989 and then went back mm-hmm. to the red album and i really like the lover so i really like the pop stuff then she came out with this folksy stuff this year <laughs> and not that it's not good it just didn't hit the spot but this dua lipa that's like boom that's uh the sweet spot with the pop music so that's maybe that's why i got more hooked on it yeah the first track future nostalgia just a little bit i listened to of it really gave me a uh uh, Lady Gaga kind of feel um, and not like she was copying her but that was just like the closest pop star I could think of um, of her pop stuff and so I was like okay I have to be in the mood for this style uh, and I'm not really in the mood for that right this second so I'll move on because like, I didn't know what to expect because like I know she's popular and I know like there's a show on Netflix that I've watched a few episodes of um, that deep dives into songs uh and I knew she had an episode and I was just like, I don't know who this is. Uh, I mean, I know who she is, but I don't know much about her and didn't watch it. It's a show called song exploder. Hmm. And, um, it's very short seasons. Uh, there's only two volumes so far, but it's on Netflix. And the first season, they do an episode about Alicia Keys, uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda, REM, which is, uh, the first episode I watched was them talking about losing my religion. And then season two uh, was Dua Lipa. Oh, very funny enough to our off air conversation. Uh, the killers when we were young, um, nine inch nails hurt. And then some other artist I'm not familiar with. Um, but anyway, so, so far I've only watched, uh, the Nine Inch Nails Hurt and the REM thing, but I was, now I want to watch her episode after I listen to some of her stuff. Cause I like how it dives into it and it kind of gives you a history of them briefly. And then that song and how it came about. No, oh, cool. Um, but yeah, I knew she had a song on there. Um, so you mentioned Bruno Mars and so I'll segue into that. I have not watched the Grammys, but somebody had shared, um, one of the songs from his new band, uh, uh, Silk Sonic. And it really grabbed me. So I'm really excited for this album. Um, Have you heard it? um... Uh, I know they performed um, at the Grammys, and I liked what he was doing, but I didn't go further and actually look up what the song was. 
Okay. I think they the came song- back and they did like a Little Richard song too. Oh, wow. That I'm going to have to watch that. Um, yeah, the album has not come out yet. It's All they've released is just what called just the Silk Sonic intro, which is pretty mm-hmm. cool. And then the hit song right now, or what I'm sure is going to be a huge hit, is Leave the Door Open. But it is really cool. Like, I, I'm there for it. Like, some of Bruno Mars' stuff I love, and some of it I just get annoyed by. Like, I would rather do something painful than ever listening to grenade again. Like I loathe that song. Um, and I feel, I feel that way about a few others of his, but then some of it, I'm like, this is really fun. So, um, I don't know. So silk Sonic is a band. I'm, I'm definitely going to check more into because I, I thought that was pretty cool and definitely worked with my headspace early in the week. Uh, yeah, some with Bruno Mars, like not to totally go down that rabbit hole, but I'm glad he's doing this kind of silk uh, sonic thing because I kind of have the same thing. Like I like some of his songs, but some of them I'm just like, uh, I don't know if he was like trying too hard or something for some of those lyrics. I think the one song, like I guess where I'm going with the one that came to my head was like this gorilla. And he's like, we're making love like gorillas or something. And it just was like, <laughs> I like the beat and the music, but like some of his lyrics are just like, yeah, I don't know if he's purposely trying to be silly and it's not coming across as he is or it's forced or something. Right. So like, I think the Silk Sonic, yeah, is like a collaboration because I've heard of that Anderson Pat guy before. So... I've kind seen of, his name yeah. on things, but I don't know that I've ever listened to any of his stuff. Um, I'm sure I have heard it just in passing, but um, but yeah, I really like that. And going with another thing from the Grammys is, I know you'd mentioned the Black Pumas before, and I'd listened to some of their stuff, but like I'd never really dove deep into that uh, album. But this week I did, and was really loving it. Um, and uh, I mean, a lot of it was great, but of course, the song "Colors" is still just so soulful and fire that I—that's the track that I listened to probably the most this week of theirs. Or the song "Fire." <laughs> is there a song called? Yeah, there is a song yeah. called "Fire." I forgot about that. Um, so that was that was fun this week to kind of go into some of that. Um, just kind of staying with current stuff that I was hearing about, or there's a music group I'm. Uh, like fan page thing on Facebook uh, where several of us share all kinds of stuff throughout the week. And that's where I hear about a lot of music as well. Um, Oh, cool. Yeah. It's, it's one of the only reasons why I'm still on Facebook. Like literally I've almost left it so many times. And then I'm like, well, I think I'm just going to limit my time on there, but I'm going to still go to that group because I really enjoy that, that and some of my nerd news that I get there. Cause like, my friend Russell really curates a lot of the nerd news I want to know about <laughs> on Facebook and one of the groups we're in. So it's just kind of like, oh, good. I don't have to look for anything. He just provides links to all of it. So <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so what? If there's, is there anybody else that you've been jamming to lately? Um, yeah, I was still going back to the Medicine at Midnight album from the Foo Fighters just because okay. I wanted something up up while I was at work. And keep me going because, like, my – everybody 
in my department, we all know the same like uh, tasks, but we just like share everything. So it's like a rotational thing where one month I'm on like one uh, duty and somebody else is on something else and we swap. Uh, so this month I'm on mail sort for uh, the entire first half of this shift. So while I'm sorting mail, I wanted something like really upbeat to get me going. And so that's why I had the Dua Lipa and the Foo Fighters album because those are both pretty uh, poppy. Right. Oh, for sure. And then a friend got me into this guy, like Michael Kuanuka, and he's kind of like, I don't know how to describe it either, but he's kind of doing like a soul. Like, I don't know if this is a term or not, but it sounds like neo-soul. Like, it's a throwback to like old like 70s soul music. So that's this current guy, Michael Kuanuka, is doing that. And it turns out that he was actually nominated for like a Grammy too. And I think that they do a lot of the... A lot of more of the categories that we're into, like the rock and the alternative and stuff like that, uh, they have those like in a pre-award ceremony where they give them away like all like before the uh, show. And then the show is just the main like pop uh, categories, I think. Interesting. Uh, does his last name begin with a K or a C? It's uh, uh, Kuanuka. I think it's K-I-W-A-N-U-K-A. Yeah, that gave me enough to look him up. I'll check him out later. Um, Because I was originally trying with the C, and I'm like, I don't think it's that. Um, Nice. But, yeah, so so I've really been kind of going back and forth between just uh, those three things all week and then the Juliana Theory. So it's kind of like almost like musical whiplash. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, I can't believe I was not about to mention something I was so excited about this week. I guess it goes back to how um, much I've listened to this week. Uh, Miles Kennedy has a new album coming out in May, and he dropped a song maybe a month ago called In Stride, and I like it. But this new track, The Ides of March, like I'm here for it. Like That got me so excited because um, uh, Russell said it very well uh, that it was kind of like uh, Mayfield 4 meeting... Um, Oh crap! Which song did he say? Um, basically, some of the epic stuff from Fortress. And oh wow, I'm like that's a, a good point because, like, have you heard it yet? The Ides of March. No, and you sent me a text and asked if I'd listen to it, and I really didn't even listen to the in stride either. I just heard the little fifteen twenty second sample from um, um, Instagram, and I think. I think I actually have the same mindset as thinking back uh, from Year of the Tiger, where his solo stuff actually is radically different from uh, the Slash and the Alter Bridge stuff. So I just want to go into it completely like fresh, because uh, I okay. feel like sometimes, like, uh, like even talking about that Foo Fighters one that we just talked about, not to get uh, too far off topic, but I feel like a lot of songs now get re-released. Or actually get reissued or not reissued, but they just drop a lot of songs in advance. And so sometimes it kind of gives me different expectations, like or I'll get burned out on the songs before the album even comes out. Oh yeah. So I just wanna since like I really like Miles like as much as you do, I just want to go into this one completely fresh. Oh, it makes perfect sense because I have um ruined moments on albums 
uh, because I over-listened to the album. Like I, I think I mentioned it on the Death Magnetic episode. I listened to the first four tracks that were available for a long time um, before it came out. So like by the time the album came out, I was kind of burnt out on those four. They were great, but like I heard them like no exaggeration, probably 20 times a piece. Maybe not that. Okay. But at least, at least 10, like it was a ton. And yeah, it was, it was overdoing. I, I, and I still do that some, but I try sometimes not to be as extreme with it. Um, but with miles, I don't have that self-control. I, um, I have been wanting the style of miles from, um, did you ever watch the Amsterdam, um, Alter bridge show? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I have that DVD and I don't have it, but I've got a few other ones. Well, that one was always a favorite of mine because he closed out, or maybe it was next to last song. He did a blues song. Um, and, uh, it kind of, I want to say it had slide and all kinds of stuff on there. It was called, yeah. Mudbone um, by Robert Johnson. Oh wait, I do and, have that one. That's the first one that they came out with, right? The one I'm thinking of that I don't have is the Wembley one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wasn't as big of a fan of the Wembley one. Oh. Um, uh, well, I need to go back to it, but yeah, I liked the Amsterdam one more. But that could be because at the time of it, I was so obsessed with Blackbird, and that's just the first two albums of the Amsterdam one because that's all they had. Whereas the Wembley was the first three albums. Yeah, that's um, right. And I, I kind of got annoyed, and this is just a little um, nitpick, but like it felt like he was trying a little too hard to be cool. Kind of the, uh, I have no problem with profanity. I don't use it much on the show just because I'm weird like that. Um, but I get annoyed when artists overly just drop the f bomb like constantly throughout a song, like when it's not in the song. Like, um, I love Dave Girl with Death, but that's like my only nitpick with him. Sometimes it's just like, good God! Like, uh, I think he probably says it 400 <laughs> times in the show. Yeah. But like, but with him, I'm used to it, so it doesn't really bug me. But I'd never really heard Miles do it as much. But that one, it just felt like he was just adding them in. Um, or maybe I'm conflating that with the first time I saw them. I definitely know the time I saw them on the AB3 tour. Um, you were able to buy the recording of that concert right afterwards. And I didn't understand it during the actual thing, but like he was just dropping, <laughs> just F bomb in there constantly in the songs. It was just like, just sing the songs. Like it's, it's fine if you're talking in between, but it's just kind of silly to just throw it in like that so much. So I don't know. It just, at the first listen, it annoyed me. Um, so, yeah, no, no, no real good reason to dislike it. But yeah, my point was that I, before I sidetracked was that that little bluesy thing was just so cool. And that was one side of Miles I've never seen him highlight a whole lot, except for in the solo stuff. And it seems like he's going to lean even more into it in this album. And I was very happy for that because Year of the Tigers, a masterpiece. But go back, going back to my moody listening thing, I can't just pop that on any time. Like I have to be in the mood for that style. Um, especially since a lot of it's pretty depressing because he wrote about um, losing his father so young. So anyway, but yeah, the new one's dropping in May. I'm super duper excited. And if you want to hear an epic rock song, um, 
and it's got blues and all kinds of stuff in there, slide stuff, you know, great solos, really cool thing. Yeah, need to check it out. Ides of March. Um, so uh, there was one I wanted to throw love to that's not at all new, but it's something that I have been obsessed with. Um, I, I don't know. Did did you ever watch the show uh, Friends from College on Netflix? No, no, I haven't. Okay, heard of that. Hmm. it's a mediocre show. Like, there's great comedy, <laughs> but they they really steer too much into the drama. The comedy moments hit well enough with me, and I love the cast that I just love the show and watch it anyway. But like, I'm aware that like it should have been so much better than it was. But there was a song I heard in it that I forgot to look it up afterwards. But I was like, this is really this is really cool. And I thought it was Tribe Called Quest, but it was not. Um, so like later that week, I was listening to the Scrubs podcast and they happened to mention this song. But there's a band called Farside. And no, not like the Farside comic, but like Farside as in P-H-A-R c-y-d-e their early 90s early to mid 90s uh hip-hop r&b group where they rap but they kind of sing rap hmm. um but i had heard the song running because it was in the movie tag a few years ago and like got obsessed with that song but never listened to any of the other stuff but a song that's way better than that is called passing me by and it was just such a cool coincidence that like within one week, two things had played and mentioned that song. And it's just a really cool upbeat song. So I put it on a playlist and listened to it a lot over the past week and a half. Hmm. Far side. I'll have to, have to look them up. I'm writing it down now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you'll enjoy it as much as me, but like the whole reason why my show is called Sunday Groove is being a drummer. I love uh, a good bass and drum groove like that is something i that's one of the reasons why as much as i'm not a huge rap and r&b fan at times i can just like really fall in love with that uh that style i mean it's why i love the chili pepper so much um as much less about the whole songs so, songs as a whole sometimes and much more about the the groove section the rhythm section i guess is the proper term for it but yeah hmm, interesting um, so is there anything else uh, that uh, stands out to you that you wanted to throw love to, um, before we get into the topic? No, just those three. But when you did mention the great affairs, I kind of was doing like a, uh, there's not a webcast, but I was kind of doing like a Mr. Burns, like finger thing. Like, hmm. <laughs> excellent. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause like I, um, for whatever reason, I had never dove into any of their stuff very deep like i'd listened to i think their live ep from a couple years ago and then when uh the newest album came out i dove deep into it and then i'd listen to a little bit of 10 and 2 but like i'd never listened to any of the other stuff and like this week i fell in love with four and then today i was listening to um the great affairs slash happy ender um compilation and i was really digging it because um that was kind of a different style of them because I think from what I can tell from what it lists on Spotify, that's mixing their debut album with the Happy Ender EP. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it is like a different style because you were probably listening to um, like like once Kenny joined 
uh, who's a drummer singer. They're more of like a straightforward rock band, but that first one's like kind of like, I guess, laid back. What is it, Americana kind of? Mm-hmm. Not like straight folksy or something, but it's kind of more like it's more mellow than what they do later. Right. Oh, for sure. Um, it's one of those things. It's probably a good thing that I really fell for the rocking stuff because it then made me more interested in checking out the other stuff. Whereas sometimes um, more mellow stuff doesn't grab me and I'm just all about the rock. And then other times, you know, I'm enjoy folklore about taylor swift you know it's like <laughs> like that that is an album that i loved when it came out and i love it times but i can't do a full listen through it at a time because of how mellow it is and not and not at all saying that's how the great affairs early stuff was but like is definitely more singer songwriter and not straight ahead rock so like i don't know um i think it's good for the rock to hit me um and then make me go back and appreciate a lot of the other stuff. So I guess I needed more of an entry point with like more of the, uh, the hard rock that I'm used to, to appreciate mm-hmm. the other stuff. Oh, that's me with a lot of things. Like I, um, you know, you go give me like a mellow Bruce Springsteen song and I'm less likely to be like, okay, I really want to listen to Bruce Springsteen now. Um, but you, you know, give me more of the more poppy ones that just get stuck in your head. And then I'm like, Oh, I should really check out more about Bruce Springsteen, you know? So there's just, I don't know. I, I need that hook for a lot of music. Um, Cause I, no matter how much older I get, um, the style that's going to grab me the most generally is going to be rock. Um, and especially hard rock. Um, so I know I'm going a little long. Let me double check. There was so many things I wanted to throw love to. But I know I don't need to talk forever. Um, so I guess. Oh, sorry. One last side note. And I, if you have Apple TV and you like music, I was not big into her work before, but I really, and I'm still not huge into it, but there's a Billie Eilish documentary and it was so fun to watch because it really captured um, her as she was recording the debut full-length album that won like a ridiculous amount of Grammys. Um, and it just kind of gave me an appreciation for her and like her love for her fans and stuff like that because you don't really see that with a lot of musicians. Some people get too much into the how... I don't know. I know it's a headache to get to that level of fame, but like, I thought that was really cool that she seemed to genuinely love her fans and like always want to connect. Hmm. Um, so that was a, I definitely recommend to anybody that if they have access to that, I'm not saying subscribe to it just for that, but um, I watched that. And so I'm like, I'm going to listen to that whole first album. And some of it really stood out to me and watching that helped me appreciate a lot of it more um plus it kind of helped me realize something where she does a lot of bizarre stuff like she has like a form of Tourette's so like this one thing she does with her head sometimes I thought was her just trying to be weird but like it's it's a tick and that I don't know kind of gave me another appreciation for because I was like that's pretty cool that you're able to 
bypass all of that and still like get to this level of fame and still function and not be a drug addict, drug addict and all that kind of stuff. Like it'd be so easy to just be loaded up on all kinds of <laughs> pharmaceuticals to, I don't know, try to control that differently. And I don't know, deal with that level of fame. Drug, sex, rock and roll, man. <laughs> um, so yeah, anyway, that was the last thing. Uh, uh, have you ever listened to much of her stuff? Not really. Uh, cause I guess, um, I was talking to a friend about this, um, and he's probably going to listen to it and he's probably going to laugh. Uh, cause he actually asked me, he's like, do you even like any female singers? And I was like, well, I like Taylor Swift. And he goes, well, other than Taylor Swift, like, is there anything that else that you like? And I was like, um, I got Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pillet, uh, um, in my collection, but I kept saying female singers and he's like, well, I'm not convinced. Cause that's, it's still in your <laughs> wheelhouse, your rock and roll wheelhouse. Is there anything else that you like? And so I was trying to name more female uh, uh, singers and stuff. And we were saying names of singers back and forth. And I was like, yay or nay. And I said, I didn't, I don't like Billie Eilish and I don't like Lord. And there's somebody else. And he goes, well, why don't you like him? And I'm like, well, because they sing in that breathy, hush like <laughs> style. Yes. And I don't uh-huh. like that. It's like, just sing. And he goes, well, that's sultry. That's kind of what they're doing. And I'm like, well, I don't like it. Just sing or something. <laughs> <laughs> I Trust me, dude. I get it. And um, her stuff is so slow, generally. A lot of it is, like, outside of bad guy. Um, and originally, that really turned me off. I was like, this is boring. But, like, knowing more about her and, like, what the songs mean, like, it actually, I have the patience for that now i still couldn't listen to it constantly and obviously i'm the wrong age demographic to really fall in love completely with it um but like i don't know it just i I definitely hear what you're saying because i've definitely criticized or been annoyed by singers that do that but i don't know hearing on some of this stuff i could really appreciate she's got an incredible voice and um yeah that's just part of her style um yeah because i know dave Grohl. like it's probably at least two years ago maybe three he was like waving the flag for like billy eilish because he said that his daughter actually liked her and he went to the show and he's like i was blown away this is like the new nirvana or like what the kids were like uh when he was in nirvana like i guess just relating that she's got that kind of following with like young uh a younger audience it's insane like before she even had like a full debut album she'd done a lot of songs but like she had a huge following and a lot of it came down to yeah she has a unique image and she um but i think it came down also to just to she really the shows tries to connect with the fans and i don't know it just feels a little unique um so yeah it's, it's just kind of funny that you said that but yeah no i understand what you're saying um so yeah uh that was kind of the last thing i was kind of random but there it is. So <laughs> I guess let's get into the actual topic. Uh, I know I went long and I apologize to listeners. I uh, did not mean to go that long, but that's just me sometimes. Hey, it's um, your show, man. You're calling the <laughs> shots here. Just don't apologize for nothing. <laughs> um, so, um, so I had Andy listen to uh, Deadbeat Sweetheart Beat by... Um, the Juliana Theory. The Juliana Theory is a band 
that I um, got into, I'd heard him a lot in college because my friend Sam Neely, but um, when I really got into them was actually uh, after they'd broken up. I didn't know they'd broken up yet, but I heard this album, Deadbeat Sweetheart Beat. And at the time, it is what I wanted. I wanted a straightforward rock album in most places, and it had a lot of anger and sadness, and it really, not to sound too cheesy, it really helped me through a breakup that I was having trouble dealing with at the time. So I fall in love with the album, and then I start looking up, uh, after probably a few weeks of listening to it, started looking up tours, and then see the message on their webpage saying they were broken up. And, and then I was utterly distraught, because I was just like, crap! It's like, Sam's been talking about them for years, and now I finally fall in love with this band, and they're gone. Um, fast forward to 2010, I got to see them in concert, which of course made me really fall in love with the band and now they're once again back together uh doing some new stuff so it just felt like the perfect time uh to get and to uh, look into them and i was kind of weird the way i did it. i gave them a few genre options all three of which were all juliana theory albums but i just wanted to kind of see what headspace he wanted to explore of them and this was the one he picked based on the genre um like door number so, one, door number two. What's behind? <laughs> right, door right. Three? Because they really do unique stuff on each album. Like they're, um, they have a sound, but at the same point, they really like to change it up. So, um, what are your thoughts going into this album? Uh, what? Um, and don't be afraid to hurt my feelings if you don't like it. That's okay. Um, what did you think about it? Well, I. I liked it, but I guess I didn't really connect with it. And I started thinking, I was like, it instantly took me back to like 2003, 2004, what I was listening to then. And I noticed, I think it was from like 05, right? So isn't that kind of in the same, I almost hit the bullseye. I was like off by a little bit, but it really took me back to what I was listening to then. Like how, uh, like I was, um, really, really getting into music at that point when I was like, I think 19 and like 20 and buying a lot of CDs. So it was like a nostalgia thing or something. So thank you for that, for getting me back. But then at the same time, I'm like, well, I'm not really totally connecting with it now. Cause I guess it, it's so of that time or something. Yes. Yeah, it was what I feared after I went and did my re-listen this week. And I was like, crap. It was my entry point because that's where my headspace was and that was at that time. But like, really, I should have given them one of the other two uh, other two of my favorite albums of theirs to listen to that probably were a better entry point. Well, you asked I, me though, I so, so I guess that's... <laughs> no, I did, but I... I should... <laughs> after going back through the other albums, I'm like, I really think love or emotion is dead is a better entry point from the modern mindset and like you know this um because yes this album is pretty dated uh, in certain ways but um what tracks did you like like i'm sure there were tracks that you liked um Um, i wrote down some like i liked my heart is a soldier and like mm -hmm. shotgun serenade oh yeah i thought those are pretty good and uh um, there was one thing too that I noted that I thought was kind of funny. There's like the final song, but it's not the final song. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm sure it was just them having fun when they sequenced it. 
Um, but yeah, that is very bizarre. Um, now, did you hear the extra track and French kiss off the last track on the album? Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't listen to the, la- there's like bonus tracks and you told me not to listen to those cause they're like added on later. So I just went for right. the straight, uh, um, album itself. But you, you did hear like the mellow song at the end of that rock song. Yeah. Like, they kind of take, okay. Cause I forgot about that song and I'm not saying it's amazing, but like it was more into the style of what I appreciate now than some of the stuff on this album. Um, and I was like, holy crap, this is. I completely forgot about this because I haven't um, listened to it like on CD form in so long. And I think I just would move on after like the three and a half minute song or whatever. Uh, but I really enjoyed that. But yeah, the song that like hooked me, especially coming out of a breakup was shotgun serenade that you mentioned. Like I was so hooked on that one. Um, yeah, that one was really good because at first, like, I listened to this thing, like, maybe three or four times this week. And even just, I think it was last night, I was doing, like, laundry and let, uh, like, I started it and let the album play. And I walked away to go around the building to the laundry room. And when I came back, it was already on, like, this a song, that Shotgun Serenade. And I'm like, all right, man, I'm into this. And I was kind of, like, nodding my head and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about the, there were two kind of mellow songs on there um, I Love You to Death it's also called Drive Safe or Leave Like a Ghost Drive Away did either one of those connect with you at all um well kind of but um, I guess it was more of those like kind of I guess the hard driving like rock ones or whatever were kind of more uh, what I was kind of um, into at the time of listening to it, but it's kind of a thing mm-hmm. too where you're trying to digest it. And we've talked before where sometimes you'll go back to an album. So maybe I just need to go back to it like um, later. Right. Or maybe just like check out those two specific tracks or something. They're very different. Like they feel almost out of place on there because like they're much moodier and not the aggressive rock like a lot of the majority of the album is um there are two that i've really fell for way more uh before i saw them in 2010 and then definitely they played both those songs in 2010 when i saw them and i was just like i don't know that melancholic um bittersweet um leaving something that you'll never come back to is just kind of something i connect to sometimes and so those i don't know those are two that i appreciate more now and some of the more rocking ones I'm less into, which is a bizarre thing for me to say, but I think it's because of the album being a product of its time so much that some of it doesn't always grab me the same way it did 10 years ago. Um, yeah. Like there's a, I guess like the first uh, song, like right out of the gate that this is a love song um, for the lonely or the lovely mm. and the brokenhearted, like that. Like uh, I thought that that was a good, like a good placement for an opening track, too. Right. Oh, it's an incredible opening track, um, but it's definitely very angry and very sad, <laughs> <laughs> like and, and like hopeless and everything. Um, 
Yeah, so like I guess it set the stage for the album. Oh, it definitely did. Um Um, there was something else I was thinking about too. Like one of the listens uh, to this album is I started thinking like how you said they were around for like a short period of time and then they broke up and then they've got back together for like tours and various things. And I started thinking too, it's like um, I have some bands like that that I like uh, that were only around for like a brief period of time. So do we kind of, hold those maybe higher or have more of a place in our heart for those bands because they don't have the same amount of like music as like a Foo Fighters or like Alice Cooper or something. They've only got like the two or three albums and they made an impression on you and then they're gone. Sorry, say that to me one more time. I was distracted. Um. Oh, okay. Um, it was just like, uh, I was just going to say, do you have any other bands like that too? Because like, there's some bands that uh, you'll listen to and you'll get into them and you'll find out they only have like two albums. So it almost seems like they hold more of a special place in heart because there's not as much of a volume or like a discography as other bands. Um, I think sometimes. Um, and sorry, I wasn't being a bad uh, host necessarily. I, there was just a lot of loud noise out in the hallway and I was like, what's going on? So I went to go check on that. Um, uh, the fun of living in an apartment complex, I guess. Right. Yeah. 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 I was like, is somebody breaking into the door next door? And, um, so I had to go check on that and it's not <laughs> happening, but, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, uh, um, off the top of my head, I can't think of others like that. Um, but I, I definitely think that that does add to this band. Cause yeah, there's only, well, there's actually like one, two, three, four full-length albums and then one really cool EP that I forget about sometimes. Uh, so they actually were pretty prolific for the um, seven years they were together, something like that. Um, but they they definitely gave up in uh, the end of 05 or early 06 because of uh, this album not doing as well as they wanted it to. And they were having record label problems and they were making money, but not making the kind of money they thought they'd be by then. And they were just like, yeah, let's just break up. Um, Cause like many bands, they had um, started with that kind of a low level um, record label that they made no money off of. Then signed with the major label. Um, and I, no, I'm not sure if they got dropped or if they, left it um and then they signed with a kind of more indie record label um and then they hung up their <laughs> their uh rock and cheese for a little bit but um yeah there was another band like around that same era uh that i thought was going to be like huge like stereo mud or something so i started thinking about that band Mm-hmm. or whatever thinking about all these bands that i was into at that time and i'm like well where are they now and stuff i don't know i guess i started going down my own like mental rabbit hole <laughs> that's that's actually that'd be kind of a cool topic i think maybe um yeah there's um there's a ton of bands if i really 
was able to critically think right now, but for whatever reason, that part of my brain's not working. Um, it's the weekend, so I, I don't. I guess it doesn't have to work. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Even like a band like, that my friend like like was in, um, is into. Uh, my friend Jim, like he he loves a band from the seventies called Stars with a Z, and they had like four albums. So I think they might have been around about the same time uh, frame, like six or seven years. Like you're saying, Juliana Theory was, mm-hmm. and I think they had really good stuff too but it's like record label issues so i think that that's something else that you said came into play with juliana theory it's like there was probably some expectations by the label okay you got to deliver so many copies and you don't so they drop you and then they're like well great what are we going to do now right yeah i think if i recall i listened to an interview with uh brett detter the lead singer of juliana theory um maybe a couple months ago and yeah i think um they were on uh, one of the distribution things of Epic for their um, album Love. And they went really hardcore into like way more rocking than their earlier stuff and spent a long time making that album. And I think they spent more than they meant to. And so like, I think the, they really wanted to deliver and, but like apparently the label really was to impress them. I think they were pressuring them to go ahead and maybe try something else. And like that really turned them off. It's just like, are you serious? We just slaved over this album for a long time. And this is, you know, got a lot of good stuff on it. So yeah, I think there was a lot of things that came into play early two thousands. There were a ton of horror stories like that with record labels where they wouldn't promote your stuff just if it wasn't, you know, one of their bands they loved or a band like Creed that was just making millions for everybody. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, I can only imagine the frustration that must be, you know, to be in that situation. Um, I read something, not to go too far off on this, but I read this, like, just yesterday, that even though um, Chevelle has made, like, sold, like, millions and millions of their albums, like, they've made, like, no money off the albums it's just the tours and i know i've heard that from other bands but it's just that has to be so discouraging <laughs> to to know that you're selling not all the albums sell millions but a lot of them have um and they're a rock band that's been around for a long time now and to like not really have any money from the recording side like that would really be frustrating and then especially when you're in a time like right now where you can't tour it um uh, or if you do tour it you're doing a socially distanced thing where you're getting way less people. So it's just, <laughs> um, yeah, it's one of the things that's like record labels sometimes are necessities, but they definitely can hinder you. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that is something with them Chevelle. Cause you would think they'd be, they've been around for like a long time. Like, cause I started listening to them in that era. We're talking about Oh three. Like, I think that was like the red or mm-hmm. something was out then, but maybe, uh, since they were just starting out, maybe they got locked into some uh, uh, some contract with like some label at the time, where maybe they just, I guess the labels like uh, just took all the money or something, and they didn't really negotiate like any kind of royalties. Yeah, right. Something. Yeah, the um, 
a lot of bands did that. Uh, the Juliana Theory, that was definitely what they did with the first album, the first record label, because they um, got signed to a really crappy deal just because nobody knew who they were. So it was just easy to do that. And they were super young and eager to get their music out. So yeah, it's easy to happen. So what was that band you said that your friend was really into? Did you say Stars? Yeah, Stars with a Z. Um, and then, yeah, he got me into them like two or three, three years ago or something. And it was actually kind of cool because like he was into them like when he was like 16 and they were like his favorite band. And then basically, boom, they were like done. Like they just had a handful of albums and then they were like a victim of like like the labels like we're talking about. But then like. Two years ago, they happened to be on tour with another similar band from the 70s that had a couple albums, and then, boof, they were gone. So okay, so you were talking cool about a 70s band. To... I, I got confused oh, okay. thinking you were talking about an uh, early 2000s band, and so when I looked them up, I'm like, I must be remembering. I missed them as Turdum. Okay. Oh, yeah. no, sorry about that. I was just trying to relate how, like, maybe the Juliana theory was, like, a victim of, like, you know, label uh um, stuff like this band but it was cool to see my friend geek out like he turned in like a 16 year old again seeing him <laughs> i can imagine um yeah I, I still think part of my high regard i hold this band in is getting to see them on our reunion thing and it was one of the coolest shows i've ever been to because i love small venues that sound good and we saw them in pittsburgh at a old church that had been converted into a skate park recording studio and concert venue oh wow <laughs> um and well, i say skate park there was something skateboardy related to something in the venue i think not the part we were in but it sounded so good um and it was i think 600 people in there and so it was just like the perfect amount um so like it wasn't you know you, there was no bad spot um yeah, so it probably is better you saw him kind of like that maybe because here you are, you're listening to him, you're like waiting, uh, and then you don't think you're going to get to see him. Now you do get to see him, but it's like in a little intimate uh, kind of venue. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it was it was fun because we did a crazy road trip to get there because like they literally announced a tour of six, six shows, like two in L.A., uh, two in New York, one in Philadelphia, and one in Pittsburgh. Like, well, Pittsburgh's the closest. It's still incredibly far away, but we're going to do it. And so, <laughs> um, yeah, good old, um, that was 2010. So, yeah, um, much Man, younger no Southern self. date or anything? like. No. Um, the only time I've seen anything regarding them in the South, like they are going to eventually play um, Furnace Fest in Birmingham, Alabama, um, whenever that happens. Um, their book to do that um, and uh, oh, crap I can't remember there's uh, I think they've um, talked about some other southern shows but most of their stuff has been but I don't want to do the Furnace Fest thing because that's like a festival where they're only going to play like a maybe a 60 minute at most set and last time I looked it was extremely expensive and I was like yeah and so, like, I know my friend Sam, whenever it happens, he's going to go see them in L.A. or playing, you know, a reunion show, like a proper show. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, they at that time when they did their big comeback or not the big comeback, their reunion thing, it was definitely a very limited thing. And 
so we did that and we got to see them um how long was the drive for that um well we drove up the day before to um huntsville Alabama, which is like right there at the tennessee line and so from there i want to say it was like 12 to 13 hours um but like from south alabama where i am and uh we it would um would have been like 17 i think so um yeah Damn. it was nice to have at least that little breath in it but definitely not something i would do these days unless i had a lot more time to make that drive not so painfully because yeah we just drove other than a couple bathroom breaks and a dinner break we drove straight up one night and then slept during the day and then went to <laughs> go see the show came back slept a few hours and then drove back man that's dedication it's de- yeah it, it was one of those things i really wish we could have done it any other way but got delayed with some stuff and then his younger brother was with us awesome guy but he was still in college and so he did not want to miss his class on that monday so um we <laughs> came on back and i was just like dad gum this would have been so much cooler if we could have stayed another day or two other things so so you are right, you listen to this album did you listen to anything else by them no, no, I didn't. I was just trying to absorb this one. But I'll uh, go back and check the other ones, though, since you said yeah. those might be up my alley more. Yeah, I, I'll give it some thought. I would say Love is probably the one you're most likely to like. I still think Emotion is Dead might be a better album. It's definitely much more of a fan favorite of theirs, but it definitely has some moments of its time. Um, so, um, I don't know. It, it's... Emotion is Dead's my favorite of theirs, but like Love is their best rock album. Okay. Um, but yeah. Um, well, thank you for checking it out. I'm glad you did. Um, and uh, oh, crap. No, I'm not trying to play a song. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I will say also about the vocals is he um, went a little crazy on this album. So it was definitely more nasally than a lot of the other ones. So that if that was at all a turn off for it that's not how he sings on everything he was just um okay maybe what he was doing was putting it a more at what was at that time like yeah like if you're saying that they maybe like we're saying like they needed a hit maybe with this what they were just trying to replicate the sound at the time whereas that's not really true to themselves as much yes i think a lot of it was trying to um you know continue the straight forward rock that they had kind of went more for on love and um but also capturing the time and maybe what they thought people wanted and but i definitely know he hates his vocals on this album oh, on, and oh was, wow. in a lot of places yeah when i got to meet him on a solo show uh he was definitely <laughs> talking about how he hated the way he sang on a lot of the songs um Oh, okay. Then, hum. Like, that's kind of kind of like throw me for a loop then uh, to go hear the other stuff now. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, I'll tell you more off air. I'm, I don't want to bore the people with more details of a band that they probably have never heard of. But if you haven't, like I said, like I'm recommending to Andy, check out, you know, if you want a straight ahead rock or you're in a mood for angry stuff, this is a great one. If you're more in the mood for straight head rock, go for love or emotion is dead. Um, oh, the last thing I will say about them, sorry, because it is relevant. They're doing a reimagined album that comes out next Friday, and 
that also has, has me super deep into them um, where they're mostly going more mellow and like strings versions of a lot of songs, but like it is so cool to just have something new from them. Oh, so they're kind of stripping back some of their existing songs. Yes, because they oh, went cool. on uh, the last thing they were able to do pre pandemic um, after whatever happened with their new album, they were working on. Um, they got an opportunity to do um, a, uh, acoustic shows, just two of them. And they did that. And while they were doing that was when they kind of got inspired for this new project. Uh, it's called a dream away. Um, but yes, it's only one new song that came out a few months ago and then nine or 10 reimagined ones. So Andy had me review Megadeth. Do you want to give me an intro to, I know you said the album can be polarizing. Is there any other particular reason why you picked, um, risk? Well, I picked that because, um, well, it was either, uh, like right when you said something, uh, like a surprise album or something. Um, my other thought was kiss, uh, the elder. And it's the one that's like polarizing because it's ones that long time, like diehard fans, like don't like, but I think if you throw that mentality out, then, uh, then you might like it or something. So I wanted you, like, I didn't think that you'd listen to much Megadeth at all. So I thought, you having like fresh ears, you might appreciate it or find like nuances or different things that somebody who had listened to Megadeth uh, from like the mid eighties or even uh, the early nineties, they might think something differently about or take away something else. Because for me, I didn't really get too into Megadeth until like 10 years after this album came out. It came out in uh, 1999 and I got into them in like oh nine, and oh wow, uh, okay. So I was kind of yeah. Everything I was listening to was like backtracking, and I was like, well, I remember this song because there's a song on the album um, Risk, like like the big hit Crush 'Em. They use that in like pro wrestling for Goldberg's music for like a time. That makes perfect sense. So uh, that was something that I could relate to, and so I didn't really see why some people would totally hate it because there's some stuff you can grab onto even if you don't like the production style there's other good songs buried in there you know Mm -hmm. um i don't know i just i just wanted your like fresh opinion on it or something because like if i try to talk to anybody else about it they're gonna be like hey like that album is shit and i'm like right (laughs) it's it's not totally like that you know i don't know yeah i me with megadeth I mean, I'm sure like really if I sat down and listened to like uh, greatest hits, I'd probably know more than I know that I know. But like looking at their Spotify right now, I know I know Hangar 18, um, Symphony of Destruction, probably Holy Wars and probably a lot of other ones. But like they're never a band that I've I think there's a song. Don't they have a song called Trust? Yeah. Yeah. That's like uh, one of my favorite ones. Yeah, that was one Sam got me into, and I did like I did like that one a good bit when I, when I listened to it. But um, controversial opinion, I his voice annoys me a lot at times. Yeah, and <laughs> I got over that with this album, outside of a couple songs that I couldn't get over it. And so I think that was always a 
stopping point for me with the band um, was just like, um, you know, if I'm listening to metal, I want to have a singer I really love, like, you know, uh, James Hetfield or something like that. But that's kind of an unfair way to look at it because, I mean, at least he's not cookie monster vocals, like, that just annoy the crap out of me. Like, he's trying different stuff. And definitely on this album, he tries a lot of different stuff. And I think he actually sounds really good on several of the songs. But I don't know, like, some of some of the songs I'd heard before, uh, probably not the hits that I was talking about. Like, I don't know, his voice kind of grated on me. And so I think that's really been the biggest thing that's ever held me back. But as promised with this, I was just like, I'm going to give this a real listen. And like, I'm going to listen to it several times. I'm going to, you know, give it a real chance. And so like, you know, I turned it on and like the first track annoyed the crap out of me. And I was like, oh crap. Um, and so I was, I was just kind of afraid. I'm like, man, I'm not going to be able to do this justice. Um, so yeah, I wasn't a fan of Insomnia. Um, I thought it was kind of simplistic lyrics and just, I don't know. I just didn't think it was a good song. Um, yeah. Cause so I also that... want to say, you just reminded me of something. I think the album, when it came out in, um, 99, right. And then mm-hmm. in like Oh four and Oh five, they were remastering all of the albums up to that point and reissuing them. And I think I want to say Dave like played with that, um, insomnia song and like totally like tweaked it. Uh, so it's like a different mix or something uh, than the actual like album, but I don't know if you can find the album anymore, unless in, unless you listen to it on a CD. But well, I'm looking on. Uh, there is a Jeff Balding mix of Insomnia that I did not listen to. That might be the better version. Um, but I just know I I found the regular album version on the remastered. Oh yeah, it is a remastered that I listened to. I was just like, this is kind of annoying. So I. I listened to it several times, but um, that one couldn't get me. Yeah. Um, and then I went into Prince of Darkness, and I was like, okay, musically, this is more my thing. But it felt lazy, and like, let's just go to a thesaurus, and anything that comes out that's dark and satanic, <laughs> let's, just, let's just say this, these words. So he's like, Lucifer's whatever he says, and I was just like, what the hell is wrong with you, dude? Like, really? This is so cheesy. Like, could you not? Like, it really made me think of the lyrics of the Merciful Fate medley that Metallica covered. But like, you know, music is rocking for that. So like, I'm able to get past the lyrics. And some of the music was pretty decent in Prince of Darkness, but I was just like, it felt like he really wasn't even trying. Like, I literally feel like he sat down for like three minutes and just like wrote anything that evoked evil and that was the song. And <laughs> so like, so two songs in, I was just like, Oh man, I don't know. And then luckily I liked the intro to it. And then I loved crush them. So into the arena, I thought was a pretty cool. Um, definitely wrestling sounding thing to do as, um, they're kind of cheering it on, but I love crush them. And, part of why I loved crush them was because of the guitar stuff was so not just your typical metal. Like it kind of had a psychedelic and blues vibe to it. Um, and I was like, this is really cool. And like a funky bass line in the song. And so I was like, I really like this song. So like, I've listened to that song a lot. 
So that was when I started to kind of turn around on the album and was glad you picked it because, like I said, the first two tracks, I was like, eh. Um, I want to say the story goes with that one, Crush Them. Like, it was used in, like, pro wrestling, but I think uh, that Dave Mustaine, like, he, like, wrote it as, like, a sports anthem for, like, hockey or something. So it's kind of got that, but there's one thing I noticed it's, like, listening to it. It takes a really, really long time to get going. So maybe that's why yes. it's not a good, like, wrestling theme. It's like you'd have to cut, like... You'd have to cut like right to the chorus or something, or even the sports thing or something. It's almost like it takes too long to get to where it needs to be. <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It just the guitar stuff is really what helped me a lot on that one. And then I really loved Breadline. It reminds me of like a classic Bon Jovi feel. Um. And it's basically a ballad, and I was not expecting that, but I really liked it. Um, and I thought he was doing a better vocal on it too. So I, I actually liked Breadline. Yeah, um, like that's one that like it it stands out for me too. Because I don't know, that might be one that people don't like because they're used to the thrashy stuff. But I think it's mm-hmm. still just a good song, no matter what style it is. Right. Oh, for sure. It's one I listen to a lot, and I would think about it later. Um, even though, uh, without looking at the track listing as I was listening, I really thought he was talking about the red line. So I don't know what the hell bread line is, but um, I thought it was a good song. I think bread line is that like poverty or something, or you're probably like, so. Yeah. Now that I'm actually thinking about it, but um, yeah, I was I, I really wasn't diving into lyrics on that one. I just was like, this is really catchy. Um, but the one that I fell for today that I liked before, but like it really stood and it's actually still repeating in my head is I'll be there. That is so catchy. Um, and once again, I think he gives a really good vocal that I didn't know he was capable of. Like I've heard his more almost punk style that he does with like kind of the nasally stuff at times. And, um, that's you know completely absent on this song and I, I like that about it uh yeah um uh, sorry i lost my train of thought like uh um i know what you mean with that song like because i think it might have even been greg like he was i was talking about megadeth and i don't know if it was greg or not but i think they were saying like they didn't really like his vocals, but I think he's kind of capable of like doing a stuff that fits the song, right? Like he, mm-hmm. he knows his range. Like he's not trying to sing like other songs that he can't pull off, you know? So I don't know. I think his voice fits the music. Oh, for sure. Um, and honestly, I think it's kind of, some might see it as trying more for a hit, but I really, with what fans were probably expecting with this album, I think it's kind of brave what he did with several of these songs being much poppier. Cause I can't imagine that's what a lot of the diehards were looking for. Um, so um, I also really liked Wonderlust and ecstasy um, as to still, once again, rock songs, but not the Megadeth I was expecting. Um, so I, um, I can't really 
expound on that, but I, I definitely remember like with every listen, those two really, I enjoyed them. Like one that you're saying that like how you didn't like insomnia. I don't really like seven. Like, I think that that's just kind of, I don't know. There's too much effects or something going on. <laughs> there are a lot of effects going on in it, but I think because it wasn't, as jarring lyrically for me that I actually really liked not loved it, but I, I enjoyed seven a good bit. Um, and I think it's because of, um, it also mixes in a little bit of bluesy guitar at times. So, um, bluesy always grabs me almost, well, almost always. So I'm gonna go back and judge it and see, uh, look at it from a different view, but it definitely, it, it was kind of a cool, for me, a cool pick back up from the, uh, the more mellow stuff. Um, right before the two unique uh, last two songs. Um, uh, the time, the beginning, and the time, the end. So um, I was, I guess I was happy for a lot, last straightforward rock song. Yeah, that would be the one that I would highlight as like my favorite. I don't know, maybe people hate the album, like they don't get to the end and to find the good song at the end. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, is that your favorite, the uh, time of the end or time of the beginning? Um, I think it should have just been one uh, straight like track. But yeah, like I like yes. how it kind of builds or something. So it kind of seems like it should, like how, how I guess I'm saying uh, that a Crush'em kind of built and took a long time to get where it's going. I think that this one kind of built up in the right way and it should have just been one song. Yes. Oh, definitely. I was looking at it. Yeah, they're both like at three and two and a half minutes. It's like, what? that should have just been one song. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed this album way more than I was expecting. Um, and it definitely makes me want to listen to some of their other stuff. Cause, um, when I see there's more to it than just what I'd heard, um, I don't know. Makes me, makes me more interested. Also with the band, I never knew where I wanted to jump in because he they've done a ton of albums. Um, like yeah. I, I want to say they do more than Metallica. Like I, I think they do. He's done one like almost every year for a lot of years anyway. Um, yeah, basically you can count on Megadeth like every two years or something, except for the last couple of years. Well, obviously, because he was like, um, he was diagnosed with cancer, then the pandemic. So I think they've held off on the album. But otherwise... They are pretty much every two years he was doing something. So I think he does. He's got like twice as many albums as Metallica, which maybe in a way you can always count on a Megadeth album, but maybe in a way like maybe he should have held back and maybe kind of combined some into one really big album. Cause I think maybe that's what Metallica does. They're like, it almost feels like sometimes they don't put something out just so they can actually have all their best songs or you talking about Metallica? Yeah, like if that makes sense, like I don't know, like it does. Well, yeah. definitely what they did with Hardwired because Hardwired was definitely longer than most um, albums, especially if you were like us and got the three disc version that I still adore because it had a lot of covers and just really good live versions of songs. Um, but even the album itself yeah. was a little longer than most albums um it's hard not to make to like a metallica comparison because i think i want to say too something with this album why it was called risk was because lars 
like might have said something in an article or something in the late 90s like how like he's like Dave needs to take a risk so he was trying to take a risk or something with some weird song titles and I think he's always was like chasing Metallica like trying to like you know how in the 90s they did the black album so he was trying mm-hmm. to have his own black album or something and I think he was still trying to like follow them uh yeah I've always been curious like about the real story about what happened with them like I know they it was easy for them to say he was out of control with his drinking but so were they so I I I don't know. It feels like there has to be more to it than that. Um, I think it just, I don't know. Like you've watched uh, more of the Metallica like documentaries than I have. I don't know if they've really had one with Megadeth, but I kind of feel like Lars is obviously the band leader. He's a guy that's yeah, always doing like the interviews and then the Napster thing and stuff. He seems like he's like <laughs> the leader and it feels like Dave, he has to be a leader. So they probably just butted heads like way too much. So that's probably what it was. Drugs or alcohol are probably played like into it. But I feel like those two guys they probably couldn't coexist in the same band because they both have to have their way. Right. Yeah. It, Lars is definitely the most dominant personality in there. Even though James does have a pretty strong personality at times too, whereas Kirk's just kind of peaceful and mostly just, goes along with it and um i have no clue how cliff was because i've never really seen a lot of early footage of you know interviews with cliff but um i definitely know jason and um robert are not very talkative in interviews of the band or they don't get a chance to talk i guess it'd be more appropriate um um, i don't know if they want to or not but uh, when you got lars around um it seems like yeah. those two guys are of the same mind because I follow uh, Robert on Instagram and it seems like what Kurt's like a surfer guy and it seems like Robert's kind of that same kind of he's more the California surfer kind of guy too. So I think that those guys get along mm-hmm. and and whereas Lars and James, they're like the songwriting guys that kind of have their own vibe together. So I think that that's right. how Robert was maybe able to vibe with him is because he's got another guy with – he's got a soul brother with Kirk or something. I don't know. Yeah, apparently they had already surfed together a good bit before he auditioned for um, the band. Like, I'm not saying they were, like, great buds, but, like, they were definitely aware of each other from surfing, uh, Robert and Kirk were. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. So um, – or maybe that was something they bonded on afterwards, but I'm pretty sure they were at least aware of each other more because of that. Um, yeah, they definitely are the much more mellow side of, <laughs> than uh, personality-wise than James and Lars. But I will say I'm very glad, at least in recent years, Lars has seemed to mellow with age because he was just so abrasive for so long there. Yeah. Uh, um, it was easy to hate him. <laughs> Yeah. Oh too my easy. God. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I just, uh, I, I can't, I, there's no way I can look at Megadeth and not think about Metallica because I know that history and, um, I've always been curious about more of that history because honestly, a lot of times, um, Dave comes off a little whiny about it, but at the same point, I mean, I would be very angry and hurt if that happened to me. Um, especially since I think he co-wrote at least a few of the 
first songs. So yeah, it would really suck to be like, oh, no longer in the band. And then they become like, you know, the biggest band ever. Um, so that must really suck. <laughs> yeah, like how um, you were saying, like this just got me down another rabbit hole that I thought of. But I think you mentioned like Chevelle, how like what they aren't getting maybe their share of royalties or anything, you know, from maybe their early uh, a song. So they have to go out on the road and like earn their money that way with ticket sales or merchandise sales. Stuff. It's kind of, it was something I think Jason Newstead, uh, he said something like, he gets so, he gets so much money from Black Album uh, sales that he doesn't have to do anything else. <laughs> he said something to that effect. Like I'm totally taking, uh, that like I'm not summarizing it right, but I remember that that was some kind of uh, quote. And then, the other thing is like I thought about it uh, with Dave. Like Mustaine, he he's got some uh how you mentioned songwriting credits on Kill 'em All and like Ride the Lightning that he probably makes a killing from those too because all the times that they do like I think he's got a co write on like Ride the Lightning and that's been on a lot of live albums. I think that that was on the Hardwired. So he probably gets some kind of checks. I think with hardwired sales or whatever, or like they had that uh, binge and purge box, which had a bunch mm-hmm. of the early uh, stuff on it. So he's probably still uh, getting a huge cut of that too. Every time he uses songs, I imagine. But you have to think about it though, compared to how much James and Lars are rolling in it money wise. Like it still would have to be a little discouraging. Um. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I mean. You, you can just see all of the hot rods and motorcycles and everything that James spends, you know, probably millions of dollars on. <laughs> it's just like, it'd be nice to have that kind of money. Because um, Metallica could definitely never play again and be fine um, money-wise. Um, now, emotionally and creatively, I don't think they would be okay with that. But uh, <laughs> But money-wise, they definitely would be fine. Almost be like a whole um, other episode just talking about, I guess, band royalties or uh, bands that got screwed over. That's like a whole other episode, I guess, there. For sure. Um, So, listeners, if if you are listening, let us know what you think of this topic. It's definitely something I want to do again because I find it interesting, the concept, because... um, you know, I don't want to be stuck on this same type of topic over and over again, and I don't want to bore people by just doing too deep a dives into bands. And that being said, I still plan to one day go back and do an '80s Metallica episode. But I kind of, I kind of like being all over the place and doing different stuff. So um, I think it was a fun way to do. It. And definitely, if I had just, if Andy had just mentioned um, Risk to me, and it had not been a project. I probably would have listened to it one time, but knowing that I wanted to give it a fair shake, I gave it multiple listens. And that's something a lot of times that you need to do with albums to properly enjoy them because otherwise it's easy to write something off after one listen. So, um, yeah, I think it was, it was fun to do. Um, before I go on that rabbit hole, or maybe instead of going on that rabbit hole, I will say, I know I'm mentioning it every time, but, um, 
if you do listen, reach out, even in like a little way. Just let me know what you liked, what you didn't like, as long as you're not a douche about it, and I appreciate it. Um, so you can find me on Sunday underscore Groove underscore on Twitter or Sunday Groove dot Lillo, L-I-L-L-O, on Instagram. And while I'm on Instagram talking, I do want to say, I don't think any of these people that have been reached out to me recently are listeners of the show. I think it's just I go through spells of just getting random either bots or just females that are trying to get you to go to their OnlyFans. But like, if you do add me on there and you send me a message, don't just say hi. Because if you say hi, I'm probably not going to respond because most of those end up just being um, people that are on there to get you to go to their OnlyFans. Like, I don't know if you've ever encountered that a whole lot, but I encountered that periodically and it annoys the crap out of me. I'm like, I don't want to waste time with this crap. Uh, I don't use Instagram as a dating app, so I'm not trying to do it for that. But like, if you want to have a conversation or you have listened to it, tell me that. Like, Make that the intro. Hey, uh, listen to this. Um, I, I love Foo Fighters or I love Metallica or Sad Anger is a great album. I don't know why you didn't like it. You know, what? anything like that that just shows that you want to have a conversation, I'll actually interact. Otherwise, if you just do the DM thing, I'm probably just going to assume you're um, not there for the same reason I am. Um, and I'm not judging anybody for that. You know, if you make your money off OnlyFans, more money to you. Good for you. That's not what I'm, <laughs> that's not what Instagram is for me. Maybe, um, maybe it's the name. Uh, they're searching and then, uh, groove comes up and they're like, Ooh, I want to, <laughs> I want to find out what he's grooves. grooving on. Yeah. Earlier today, I was thinking about, uh, one of the people have ever like seen the name and just assumed it was like a Christian related type thing. Cause it's the Sunday thing. Um, and, yeah, you and, could go either way with that. <laughs> right. It's like, am I not going to, um, listen to this? Cause they only review Christian music or, um, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's something I remember I toyed with two different names when I was making this podcast. And the other one was too wordy and catchier and would definitely have given off the wrong vibe. But it was always what we joked around with for a long time was easy like uh, easy like David Sunday. Um, Ooh, that might have been even more down that kind of. Oh, uh, definitely would have been. Uh, that definitely <laughs> It was one of those things I did like a poll within my friends and that one actually won. Um, but it was so close and I was just like, I don't think I'll like the type of attention I might get with that name. Um, Cause it definitely <laughs> yeah. gives off the wrong impression to a lot of people. Uh, so yeah. Oh man. You just reminded me of something. Uh, I did a wrestling podcast with uh, Tim Capel and we talked about WCW, like the nineties wrestling with Ric Flair and like sting and stuff. And, uh, <laughs> it was called survey says, cause we, uh, we were trying to come up with a name and like this one guy, Scott Hall would say in survey says another one for the good guy. So we just took it survey says from that. Uh, but the name that we really, really wanted to have was uh, thunder buddies. Cause there was a WCW <laughs> show called thunder. Yeah, and then it was the name from what uh, the uh, Ted or whatever it was Thunder Buddies. So I thought that that we both thought that that was like a clever play on like uh, a Thunder. But there was another podcast called Thunder Buddies, except it was all about basketball, the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. I was mm-hmm. like, dang it. Right. 
Yeah, there was something. Uh, well, just when I was finding the Twitter accounts, um, I think there's like a DJ thing called Sunday Groove or something. Um, maybe it's just at a nightclub, but I know that one's was taken. That's why I had to go more creative with it. Um, it's hard to find a name, man. Like branding really purposes is. too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, I, my whole point on that, like, uh, is just saying, you know. I, like I said, in the messages I've gotten recently, I don't think had anything to do with the show. But if they were, you know, give me a sentence so I know that um, that that's what you, you know you're actually wanting to discuss something because I love discussing things. Like I've had plenty of people reach out to me there. Even a musician a while back uh, mentioned some stuff or saw me comment on a certain band. He was like, um, said he got compared to them a lot, so he wanted to see if I heard that. So I would listen to some of his stuff, and I I, I like that. Like that's fun. Um, that's kind of the whole thing I like about social media is interacting with people about music and movies um, and just pop culture in general. That's what I'm obviously passionate about. So um, yeah, if uh, I just want to give that disclaimer uh, and uh, I don't know what's coming next. I've got a couple ideas. Um, maybe in typical me, I've not done anything to book any of those others, but I've got a few ideas. Um, so I'll definitely keep doing uh, more episodes and try to keep it interesting and most likely just stick with the month, once a month thing because that seems to be achievable for me um, but I, I do want to say once again uh, happy to have Andy on here and definitely give out, give this show uh, a listen because A-Sides I listen to that um, very often I, especially um, when they do one of the together episodes and they uh, him and Brett dive into different styles or like they just recently did the debut and then uh sophomore albums. And I, I love that. Uh, I, that's a lot of fun. Um, so how can they find you on social media, Andy? Um, on social media, I'm pretty much predominantly on Instagram. Um, um, at fists and guitars is my, uh, personal one. And then the podcast is at, um, a sides podcast. So, yeah, I am kind of back on that with Brent. I don't know if I'm full-time, but I'm more invested in it than I was. Yeah, um, they, they he did a really cool um, – Andy did a really cool interview with uh, Diddy Smith recently from The Great Affairs, and that was really cool. And that was another thing that got me to go deeper into them, um, to The Great Affairs. Um, do you all have anything new coming out, like you and Brent, uh, that you want to tee? Or? We're, we haven't yet uh pulled the trigger on it but we're uh gonna be doing we like threw out a bunch of ideas back and forth after we recorded uh the sophomore albums one and we're thinking about doing an album all on thrash uh album huge uh thrash albums from the mid 80s so we might oh, be cool. uh, visiting that topic pretty soon nice um well, it'll be something to look forward to. Um, so, uh, giving y'all my uh, yeah, how to reach me, uh, Lilo Podcast Network. We're still pretty small. Uh, it's kind of been inactive recently, uh, other than I show an occasionally DC for you, but I, I'm sure at some point it will pick back up. I know Russell's getting married uh, in less than a month now, so I'm pretty sure that's kind of where <laughs> a lot of his time and focuses um so uh 
But yeah, if you want to look it up, obviously you found this somehow, but it's L-I-L-L-O Podcasting Network. And you can find us at Lolo Podcast on Twitter. Um, I don't think they have an Instagram yet. So I'm going to have to get on them for that because I'm finding more interaction that way than Twitter these days. So before long, I might be primarily Instagramming. Um, But uh, thanks for listening. Thank you, Andy, for being here. And I will catch you all down the road. This is war. Ain't no fun in games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When we get up, you go down in flames.